spoke about the subject of prayer the last time I was here and I want to do another study on prayer this morning um, because prayer is of vital importance um, to the Christian and to the church. Would you say amen to that this morning? So if you have a Bible, could you turn with me please to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We'll read from verse 6. The Lord Jesus is the speaker and he says these words. Take heed that you do not your charitable deeds before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father in heaven. Therefore when you do your charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. That they may have glory from men. Assuredly I say unto you, they have the reward. But when you do your charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in secret. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Assuredly, I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room. And when you've shut your door, pray to your father, who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they shall be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for the time we spent at your table this morning. Thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for his sacrifice at Calvary. We've worshipped you. We've praised you. We pray that what we've given you has been acceptable in your sight this morning, Father. And now, Lord, we turn our attention to your word. And, Father, we pray that you would assist us this morning to bring your word to your people that we might leave this place built up in our most holy faith, encouraged to go on with the God that loves us. Father, while we stand in your presence, we do mention your servant, the man that you've anointed, the man that you called to this place and for his family. I pray that where he is right now, you would give him his portion of the blessing. Pray you would be with his father this morning, Lord. Keep him at this critical time. We ask all of these things, being careful to give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, using our text as a platform from which to launch this morning, for the few moments that I have left, I want to talk to you on the subject of prayer in the life of a believer. And as part of this little devotion or study, there are just two simple questions that I would like us to address and give an answer to this morning. And the first one is this. The first question I want to ask on prayer is, why has God ordained prayer? And why would he have us pray? Well, I found there's three different reasons as to why God has ordained prayer this morning and as to why he would have the Christian pray to him. And the first one is simply this. God would have us pray this morning because he wants us to trust in him. Would you say amen to that? 
Brothers and sisters, let's be clear about something. We do not pray to God this morning so he can find out what we need. God already knows before we ask. Listen to the Lord Jesus here in Matthew 6 and verse 8. He tells us, your father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. So why then, if God knows all things, does he have us pray? Well, this reveals his heart. He loves us and wants us to trust him for all things. That's why this morning faith is so important. For faith is related to trust. Jesus said in Matthew 21 and 22, All things whatsoever you ask, believing, you shall receive. Now, contrary to what some in the church would say, especially in the American church, I don't mean to be cruel this morning, but I find this a lot. Contrary to what they would say, um, this was not some sort of test the Lord Jesus was putting on the Christian to see whether they would have enough faith and then he would be willing to give an answer. No, brothers and sisters. In Matthew 21 here, Jesus asks us to believe and not doubt because God wants to be trusted. Yet what I found alarming this morning is that over the years, many believers I've seen have prayed without faith not expecting to receive anything. And why? Because deep down, they don't completely trust God to answer their prayers. Like the man who buried his one talent in Scripture, some, the perception of some believers is that God is a harsh, unwilling, unflinching taskmaster. And this mindset comes from the view of perhaps an earthly parent or partner who maybe didn't care as much or had let that Christian down and treated them shamefully, perhaps in their youth. Or again, this mindset perhaps comes from insecurity in themselves. There's Christians who say, how could God love me? I don't even love myself. How can I trust God? I've learned over the years not to trust anyone. Or again, this mindset perhaps comes from a a sense of unworthiness. Have you ever come in to perhaps even the Lord's table? And let's just be honest this morning, because of your faults and your feelings, you feel under condemnation. You say, how can I petition this holy God and have any confidence or assurance that he will answer me? You know, having such a mindset this morning is destructive and detrimental to our prayer lives. Why? Because it makes the Lord our God something that he is certainly is, is not and erodes our trust and our confidence in him. Let me just remind us all again, church, in case we would forget the God that we serve is a good God this morning. Would you say amen to that? He's a loving father who delights in his children. He asks us to trust him for great answers because he's more willing to answer our prayers than we are to have them answered. Listen to the Lord Jesus in Luke 11, verse 11 to 13. He confirms my point by showing our father's willingness to answer us. He says, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that's a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then being evil, or the word evil there is just carnal, 
know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And here Lord Je- the Lord Jesus says, if we as carnal people are willing to give good gifts to our children, and we are, aren't we, this morning? My lad has got to say, he's coming into his teenage years, and he, he's been breaking my heart this week. He's been on the teenage grump, if you like, so he has. You can't even speak to him at the minute. And he came to me yesterday. He said to me, I need £20 to go into the town. And I was raging with him. I wasn't going to give it to him, but my heart went out to him because he was going out with his mates. So I gave him the £20. And away he went. And I'm willing to do that even in my carnal state. Well, brothers and sisters, if we are like that with our children, the Lord Jesus is very simply say, how much more is your father willing to give the Holy Spirit to his children? I tell you much more this morning. So why does God have us pray? Because as a father, God wants each of us this morning to trust him. And of course, related to this is our dependence on God. Let me say this. When you and I pray, asking God to meet our need, and then we start to pick up that burden again, what we're saying to God is this. I don't believe that you are a father who cares for me. Furthermore, I don't believe that you're able to answer my prayer. What a slight on the character of God. How this must grieve his heart. He wants us to depend on him. To bring us through. Brothers and sisters, I know sometimes because we can't see God and because we don't hear his voice audibly, it can be difficult in our our circumstances to trust by faith. But I started to think about this theme of depending on God and I thought to myself, how is it that we could get on a flight, could go and sit in our seat and we could depend and put our lives in the hands of a man up front that we've never seen before. We don't know if he's in his right mind even to drive the plane. But we trust him to get us to that destination, don't we? How is it that we can trust without seeing in that situation and we can't trust an everlasting Father who loves us this morning? This ought not to be. Jesus said in Luke 12, verses 22 to 24, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. The life is more than the meat and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens. For they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouses nor barn, and God feeds them. How much more are you better than the fowls? Again, I said, brother and sister, this morning, much more. Do you know why? Because you are the apple of his eye. And so here's the first reason God would have us to pray. It's not that he doesn't know and needs enlightened. Is the our situation. No, the Lord tells us in verse 8 that your father already knows what you need before he, you ask. The reason God asks us to pray this morning is that he delights to be trusted and be depended on. So when you pray this morning, I believe what the Lord wants to say to his church is this. Trust me. I'm willing to answer my children. Then as we move on, why does God want us to pray? Well, not just because he wants to be trusted and depended upon, brother and sister, but secondly, God wants us to pray, and this is a very simple wee study, because he loves us. 
and wants us to love him back. Listen to verse 6 again. The Lord says, but, but, but when you pray, go into your room. And when you shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Do you know when I read that, do you know what it spoke to me of? Intimacy. Intimacy. Why does God have us pray this morning? Simply because he loves it when we do. And we see this illustrated perfectly in Genesis 3 and verse 8. We're told that God came down to commune with Adam in the cool of the day. He called unto him, Adam, where are you? I think that's amazing this morning because it wasn't Adam that was calling to God. It was God that was calling to Adam. God wanted communion with Adam. And note when God came to Adam, brothers and sisters, not in the heat of the day, but in the cool of the day, when the work was completed. Why the cool of the day? Because as I heard one preacher say one time, the cool of the day was the quality time. All the work had finished. He could have Adam's full attention. He could talk with him one-on-one with no distractions. And this shows God's heart this morning. It shows that he wants to fellowship with each one of us personally. I heard a story of a pastor in America. And um, this man was renowned for having a a lovely walk with God, a good personal prayer life. And you know, because of that personal prayer life, God began to bless his small congregation. And it went from a few hundred to a few thousands inside just a few years. And the man was so busy in the work of the Lord that he forgot the Lord of the work. One day when he was in his study preparing for a Sunday sermon, A friend of his from another state in America gave him a call. He was a trusted friend and he phoned him and he says, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. The work's going well. I'm really encouraged. And the the other preacher said to him, I've got a word from the Lord for you. And as he trusted his friend, he says, well, go ahead, say on. And this other pastor said to him, the Lord said that he misses the times that you spent together. You know, brothers and sisters, that particular preacher, he wept. He repented. He realized that he'd been a Martha, caught up with serving, yet in doing so, he'd neglected the God that asked him to come and spend that time like Mary and sit at his feet. Can that be us sometimes? Can I ask you a question? Have you spent time with him this morning? Have you spent time with him yesterday? God's not looking for our whole day. He's looking for that time, that quality time. Would he say of you, I miss the times that we spend together? That's why he would have us pray this morning, trust and dependence. But also God would have us pray because he loves to fellowship with him. And I believe that's what he wants to bring to his church today. But thirdly, God not only wants us to pray because he wants us to trust and he wants us to love on him. But thirdly, God wants us to pray because he has ordained that by prayer, nations, 
peoples and situations are changed this morning. Verse 6 says again, but when, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. One man once said this, and I thought it was a profound statement. He said, the greatest travesty in the Christian church is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. And how true that is, and how revealing that is, brothers and sisters. Why so many times do we fail to see answers to prayer? Because too often we fail to petition God in the secret place. To see change in the nation, in the church, and in our families, in our ministry, in our workplace, or whatever, God says, you need to do your part, and then I will do mine. Here's some scriptural examples of what I'm talking about this morning. Second Chronicles 7 and 14, very familiar portion of scripture. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and turn from their wicked way and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Note here, brothers and sisters, the condition. If my people are willing, then God says, I am willing to answer. The onus is on us this morning. No prayer, no change. Why would God have us pray? Because God ordains prayer as the means by which nations, peoples, and situations are changed. Listen again to James 4 verses 2. James says, you have not because you do not ask. Here James implies again that failure to ask keeps from us what God would have otherwise given to us. Listen to this one. And you know, when I got this quote, it rent my heart. The Lord speaks through Ezekiel in Ezekiel 22, 30 and 31. And the Lord says this, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I could not find one. Therefore, I've poured out my indignation upon them. I've consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own ways have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. And here again, brothers and sisters, we see if God could have found one to pray, he might have changed his purpose towards the nation, but he didn't and judgment came. Would you be that man this morning? We prayed for the lamb. Would you be that woman? Would you be that man to pray for your family? Would you be that woman? I certainly want to be for mine. It's a tragedy that God looked for one man and he couldn't find one. There it is again. Why would God have us pray, brothers and sisters? Because he's ordained prayer as the means by which nations, peoples, and situations are changed. In Exodus 32, we see another prime example of what I'm talking about. In this chapter, the Lord is angry with his people and he tells Moses to move aside because he was going to destroy them. But while they're at the foot of the mountain reveling in their sin, we're told that Moses, the man of God, he's on the top of the mountain interceding before God for the nation. Listen to what we're told, Exodus 32, verse 9 onward. The Lord said unto Moses, I've seen this people. 
And behold, it's a stiff-necked people. Now let me alone that my anger may wax hot against them, that I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your anger wax hot against your people, which you've brought from the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and repent of this evil against your people. And I love this. Moses said, remember Abraham, Isaac and Israel. Thy servants whom you swore by your own self and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of will give on, I will give unto their seed and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Brothers and sisters, again, to illustrate my point, nothing had changed at the foot of the mountain. The people were still reveling in their sin. But things had changed up the mountain. For, God, for Moses had stood before God and he changed his mind. And if I had time, I could give you an illustration after illustration of scripture of men like Samuel who stood in the gap. Of men like Daniel who stood in the gap. Even our Lord Jesus Christ was the greatest gap filler of all. Who, who prayed like never before and God answered. Even looked the revivals of times past. Look to the great awakenings under the Wesleys and the Whitfield. Men who prayed and asked God to spur a nation. When England was on the brink of revolution, Wesley prayed like never before and God sent a revival. I said it before, 25% of the nation swept into the kingdom of God because one man took hold of God. Read about Evan Roberts in, in Wales in 1904. One young man who looked at the, the way society was going in his local area. He left university. He came back to his local area. Started to get before God. For weeks and weeks he met with God in his room. And God finally met with him. And told him that in a short space there would be a great revival that would spread throughout Wales. And you know what happened just as he said. God dealt with hearts. And there was over 100,000 people saved. Go to the Hebrides and you see two wee women who just looked at the island and thought it's just given over to debauchery. The young people are doing whatever they want and these wee women in, in, a, in, a, in their wee house or in their wee barn took hold of God and says we won't let you go until you bless us. God speaks to a man called Duncan Campbell. He comes to the Isle of Hebrides and the whole island is swept into the kingdom of God. People who stood before God and God sent revival. And here's why God would have us pray this morning, church, because again, God ordains prayer as the means by which nations, peoples, situations are changed. And let's not forget that. Be encouraged. I'm closing, but before I do. Not only do I want to ask and answer the question as to why God would have us pray, and we've seen that he, he wants us to pray, not because he, he needs to know what we need, but because he wants to be trusted, because he loves us, and because prayer changes nations and peoples. But I want to help you this morning by answering the question as to how we can pray effectively. 
How can we be sure of getting answers to our prayers? Because let's be honest, brothers and sisters, some people's prayers are not answered as much as they would like. And yet some people always seem to get answers from God and get answers speedily. What I want to show you this morning to be effective in your prayer life, what you need to do is to remove the hindrances that stop the answers from coming. So what blockages are there as we close that can stop us from having an effective prayer life? Well, here's the first blockage. It's very, very simple. The first thing that can stop us from having an effective prayer life is a sinful lifestyle. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says this, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. In other words, God's there. His power is unlimited. He can do what he's always done. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. But Isaiah 59 and verse 2 says this, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins has hid his face from you, that he will not hear you. James 5 and verse 6 says, It's the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much with God. So brother and sister this morning, if you're not living right before God, if there's things in your life that you know God needs to deal with and you're not allowing him to deal with, you cannot expect God to answer your prayers. And then there's another blockage or hindrance that stops us from having effective prayers and prayer lives. And it's this half-heartedness. Half-heartedness. That same scripture that I just read, James 5 and 16 says, it's the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much with God. No, it's not the half-hearted prayer that avails. The word fervent here means mighty. Those who really take hold of God. It's that sort of prayer that affects heaven. It's like I said to Pastor Ken the last time I was here and I was talking on prayer. Imagine I had come to him and said, Pastor, uh, do you want to come to my house on Sunday for your dinner? Ken's thinking to himself, this fellow's not convinced. I don't know where he wants me here. I don't think I'm going to go. And if I went to him, Ken, you're a lovely fella. Would you come to my house on, on Sunday for your dinner? He's maybe getting a wee bit more convinced. Maybe I will take that step and go. But brothers and sisters, if I was to come to the pastor and say, Pastor, I just would love for you to come to my house on Sunday. I said, I've got plans. No, no, it doesn't matter. You need to cancel your plans. You have to come to my house. You want to see my wife's cooking. It's absolutely fantastic. Ken's going to go, I better go to this fellow's house because he's not going to leave me alone until I do. He's also going to know that he's welcome there. That's what God is like, brothers and sisters. I use that illustration to show you what the Lord is like. And I said before, God is a good God. Would you say amen to that? He will answer the prayers of his people, even the weakest of his saints. He will answer their prayers. But you know what? There's depths of God that we can plummet. And if you're willing to say, I will not let you go, Lord, until you bless me, until you bless my family, until you bless my church, and seek him like never before, I tell you, that is the sort of prayer that God runs to answer speedily. Would you say amen to that?
So be encouraged to pray until you really pray. Don't be coming to God and giving like the last drags of the night. That can be such a hindrance to having your prayers answered. And then there's another blockage and I'm coming to a close. There's the blockage of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you don't forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will not forgive you your trespasses. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. In Matthew 18, Peter asked the Lord, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother? Seven times seven. And the Lord looks to Peter and he says, Peter, I say unto you, not seven times seven, but 70 times seven. In other words, what the Lord Jesus was saying to Peter was, Peter, no matter what, keep on forgiving. Don't harbor unforgiveness in your spirit. Just keep forgiving and keep forgiving and keep forgiving. Stay in that constant state of forgiveness. And according to the Lord Jesus here, brothers and sisters, if we can't forgive our brother and sister, it can hinder our prayer lives. And here's another one. Another reason why we're not as effective as we should be in prayer is a spiteful and hateful attitude towards others. Psalm 66 and 18. This is very clear. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Enough said. And then as I come to a close, the last thing that can stop our prayers from being affected is this. This unity. This unity in the body. Listen to this quote. I found this quite funny. In a Peanuts cartoon, Lucy demanded that Linus change the TV channels. Threatening him with her fist if he didn't. <laughs> what makes you think you can walk right in here and take over? Asked Linus. These five fingers, says Lucy. Individually they're nothing. But when I curl them up like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that's terrible to behold. <laughs> Which channel do you want? <laughs> Asked Linus. Turning away, he looks at his fingers and says, why can't I get you guys organized like that? (laughs) And it shows us something individually. As Franz Havner said, individually Christians are like snowflakes. They melt, but when they stick together, they can stop traffic. Would you say amen to that? God is a God of unity, church. The harmony even the Godhead displays this. And if there is disunity in the body, you can rest assured that prayer will be hindered. So let's keep the unity of the faith. Seventh and lastly, why is there blockages and hindrances to prayer? Why is it that our prayers can't be effective as they usually could be? Selfish desires. James 4 and 3 again, you ask and receive not because you ask and miss, that you may consume it upon your own lusts. Do you know what I've found over the years? The people that get quick answers to prayer are the people who are committed to God's work 
and committed to God's glory. Would you say amen to that this morning? Do you see, brothers and sisters, if you're praying, Lord, I want you to answer this prayer for your glory, God will answer that prayer very, very speedily. And he will actually search your heart as to see whether you actually want it for his glory or not. And a good rule of thumb, if you want your prayers answered, ask yourself, is what I'm asking for, for the glory of God? And as I said, he will answer. Why should I give you it, Lord, for your glory? Why should I save your family, Lord, it's for your glory? Why should I grow your church for your glory? Why should I touch this area, Lord, for your glory? Why should we ask for the best within the church, Lord, for your glory? And brothers and sisters, God will answer your prayers. So why does God have us pray? Remember this morning, he wants you to trust him. Secondly, he wants us to love and have fellowship with him. He's ordained that through prayer, the people's nations, situations are changed. And how can we pray effectively this morning? Remember this, by removing the hindrances of a sinful lifestyle. And if you need to do that, please do. Half-heartedness can affect us as well. Unforgiveness, spiteful attitudes, disunity in the body, and asking amiss. Just a little study on prayer this morning. I pray that Something that I've said would really speak to your heart. And and the whole object of this, the whole purpose of this, brothers and sisters, is that you would go out um, understanding the whole purpose of prayer and how you can really maximize your prayer life as well. So let me just pray for the church before we close. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we pray that you would take it and you would bless it to each one of our hearts. Lord, we're reminded that you said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations and for all peoples. You ordained it, Lord. You ordained it this morning that we, your people, in our circumstances would trust and depend on you knowing that you are a father who loves us and is willing to answer. And if there's any of us that doubt that this morning, Lord, may this word be an encouragement and a comfort that you do care for us. Lord, you, you want us to come into your presence in prayer. Would you said you shut the door and pray to your Father. Not to just ask for for petitions and that is good. But Lord, just so that we can tell you that we love you. And Lord, if we haven't been in that place, may your people be encouraged to go back and just say, I love you, Lord. I'm sorry that I haven't been where I ought to have been. Lord, may we have hearts this morning and we've already seen it in this place. That they understand that, Lord, as we can stand in the gap, Lord, for those who don't know you, that you would bless this church, you would bless the people that are outside. Because prayer changes people, situations, and nations. And Father, as we've looked at how we can pray to you effectively. Father, we understand that we need to remove the hindrances. And if there's something that's been said this morning that your people know they need to deal with, I pray in Jesus' name that they would today, not just for the benefit of their own lives and for their own families, but for the benefit of the church. 
I pray that you would take glory in all that's been said and done this morning. And again, remember your servant. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. God bless you, folks.